take a deep breath Take the higher road That's what they always say As if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself It's life ain't just a dream You make your own So kick and scream The people will like With a never-ending force You never had the chance So what you waiting for The day has come, my friend Cause this is war ready to head out of town um, next week for my first um, dabble in uh, kind of like a work convention with my new career path that I am on. And I'm headed to Las Vegas and I'm really, really excited about it. And in talking to people at my company, the event that I am headed to happens once every three years in our industry. And it's always it always comes up in conversation about how three years ago um, was the last time that this event happened and that literally right after the end of this event was when the world shut down. And it's in Vegas every year. And I remember three years ago when we were embarking upon our now what seems to be an endless COVID journey, but like seeing pictures of Las Vegas completely shut down which is even more strange to me, I think, than seeing like empty New York streets. I don't know. There's just something about Las Vegas that's like, it's always going. It is 24 hours. It is hustle bustle. It is the lights. It is the flash. It is just busy all the time. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, that is so, that's so weird. And it's a little bit eerie. And now heading back to Las Vegas and um, realizing that we've been doing this for three years. And I also had this realization the other day because my son celebrated his 13th birthday and that really kind of smacked me. I was like, oh my gosh, three years of this little human's life where he has had to deal with all of this madness and all of this insanity. And while yes, it's three years in our adult lives, as adults, I think we have a significantly better capability of processing this, of, you know, obviously asking questions, using discernment, making decisions on behalf of ourselves and our families. But when you're a child, you know, you're, you're not um, equipped maybe with some of those capabilities just by the nature of where you are in your growth and development. And while, yes, I think that my son is very mature and, you know, advanced for his age, I think about the ages of 10 to 13 and sort of how critical those are in your sort of like adolescent life and what he experienced in those three short years versus what I experienced from 10 to 13. I mean, my 10 to 13 now looks incredibly regular and, you know, so normal that it's refreshing actually. And to think that he has gone from, okay, being in school to being online to he had a school change during that time to having to, you know, be the kid whose mom is vocal and outspoken and having meetings with the principal and the school nurse and 
him being one of probably only a handful of kids at school that never wore a mask. And what does that feel like? That's a lot of attention. And those are a lot of conversations. And through this kind of combo realization of my son's birthday and heading, um, you know, to, to Las Vegas for this event, um, I just can't help but wonder, like, what have we learned? Have we learned anything? And what now is kind of coming out in the world and being broadcast and being demonstrated that some of us speculated from the beginning, some of us, I think I would even say confidently knew from the beginning, but what now, you know, the things that we're seeing now should make us absolutely, in my opinion, question anything and everything that the government tells us, past, present, and future. It's like we are living under all of these imposed rules and regulations and you know, catering to everyone's feelings, all based off of lies. Almost everything is a lie, I feel like, these days. And that's just not surrounding COVID. That is surrounding almost every kind of like hot button topic that we have really seen come to the forefront over the last three years, whether that be Black Lives Matter, whether that be this, you know, transgendering LGBTQ movement that we see coming to the forefront, um, whether that we the climate crisis, everything that we are kind of bombarded with on a daily basis or the topics that seem like everybody is talking about or they've taken center stage it is a lie. It's just an absolute fabrication. And now I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but there's that, there's that quote that says, you know, a lie is a lie no matter how many people believe it. You can tell it over and over and over again. It's still not the truth. And, you know, the other thing with a lie is that it's, it's really hard to hold up because usually it's not just one lie. It's usually connected to a bunch of other lies and you have to keep your story straight. You have to remember what you said, when, who you told what. It becomes very, very, very tangled very quickly. And that's why the truth is so easy because once you say something and you know that it's the truth, you can stand by it. And, you know, even for argument's sake, if you say something and somebody thinks that it's not the truth, if you feel confidently about it, you should be able to have a, an educated dialogue and you should be able to engage in conversation with that person, you know, a debate, if you will, to present, well, this is why I have formulated this to be the truth. Um, you know, have, a, have a, a, a nice intellectual dialogue over facts and over data and certainly not over feelings. But what has come out recently over the last few weeks that is a real big lie that has perpetuated a lot of this COVID stuff is this discussion about where its origins are from. And now somebody that asks a lot of questions and prides herself on having, um, you know, good common sense and critical thinking skills the whole bat soup theory didn't really make sense to me from the beginning. None of it made sense. I figured to myself, you know, I thought, well, if this is if this is something within the culture, 
um, you know, these wet markets, if this is a particular meal that is um, eaten routinely, or enough, you know, on a, on a day to day basis or weekly basis, why now? Why all of a sudden? Why haven't we seen this virus being spread through these animals in a wet market before? It's nothing new. They've been around. Why now? Why all of a sudden? So that was kind of the foundation of my thinking from the beginning is like, it just genuinely didn't make sense. Nothing about that theory. You know, I I couldn't connect any dots there. And then there was this little, you know, insertion of this notion that there's this Wuhan Institute of Virology that may or may not have been investigating some coronaviruses and maybe even doing a little tampering and, you know, playing around with with things that I think a lot of these labs around this country and the world tend to do. But the minute that I heard that theory, I thought, oh, yeah, of course, that that sounds significantly more likely. Now, whether it was intentional or accidental, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think I have my, my own personal opinion on that, but this virus coming from a place in which scientists are literally working on viruses day in and day out makes a heck of a lot more sense than someone eating bat soup and now contracting this virus. I don't know. Makes much more sense to me. And I guess another kind of example that I would share is that there's all these studies and and they've looked at in like a hospital setting about physicians that would wear neckties and the neckties, you know, as you bend over your patient, maybe to do an assessment or to, um, you know, you've got your stethoscope and you're listening to their heart or lungs or whatever you're doing, that that necktie would graze on the bed, the patient, the gown, whatever that necktie would potentially touch in that process of being in that patient room. Well, the physician leaves the room, they wash their hands, but they haven't done anything with that necktie. And then they go to the next patient's room same sort of thing. They bend over. Now that necktie now is touching a new patient. So there's a transfer, right? It's not only going to maybe pick something up new, but it has the potential to deposit any bacteria that may or may not be on that necktie onto the next, next patient. And they've done studies on this. They've looked at how, you know, that can be a transmissible um, situation specifically for highly contagious um, bacteria. So that very, very simple demonstration where you where you know that something exists and how easily transferable it is, again, makes sense that if you are in a building in which people are, physically handling and manipulating and inventing and creating and working on viruses, how that could potentially get out of the four walls of that building. So if that was kind of the premise or, or what we were first sold on, the foundation of COVID was really built on that. We've got this, this virus it's in bats, someone ate bat soup, and now it's been transferred from 
animals to humans. And then the additional, you know, um, rules, regulations, mandates, all followed based off of that premise. Now, the things that followed are very interesting, right? And I think then what we see is that every intervention that was attempted or that that the government put into place and then people had the decision of whether or not they were going to choose to follow that directive or participate in the intervention has also now come out as a lie. The knee-jerk reactions, this lack of actual science, this, um, I think, overinflation of the government's responsibility to keep its citizens, quote unquote, safe, resulted in us, you know, implementing and participating in things that now we look back on. And I think that they are on a level of insanity that we've that we've really never seen before. And it's unraveling. The dominoes are falling one by one at a relatively fast pace, I would say. It, it It's almost like every day we see something new about, you know, whether that be the lab leak theory or, hey, two weeks to slow the spread. Mm, it really didn't do anything. Two weeks, two weeks didn't do anything. Quarantining people at home alone in their homes actually did more damage and probably harmed more people than the virus did, right? We had suicide rates, we had drug overdoses, we had people, um, you know, miss doctor's appointments and they were undiagnosed with, with treatable things that are now, you know, further along in their disease progression. Um, you know, the kids especially, oh my gosh, the isolation of our children, the removal of their um, social systems and their support systems, um, the learning, um, you know, the catastrophic effects to this for our kids and their learning. I mean, we're now seeing um, speech delays. Well, that's related to masking, which is also a no brainer, but, um, you know, literacy rates have dropped, um, just all of these benchmarks that our children should be meeting. They are now falling way, way below. And it's a direct result of forcing these little people to go and, you know, change their environment. Um, I know my son did not do well with this online learning at all. He's not a video game kid. He's not a computer kid. That is not a way in which his brain kind of maximizes learning. In fact, I think it really inhibits his ability to learn. He felt disconnected. Um, oftentimes he couldn't hear very well. It just was not conducive to his learning. And I can only imagine that he is not alone in that. Um, so every everything kind of marching forward and as these dominoes are falling, I just can't help but wonder how how much more are we going to accept as a quote unquote truth from our government? It seems like everything that they put out, whether that be on the news or whether that 
be in some form of regulation or mandate is flawed from start to finish. Let's look at masks, for example. I mean, again, I, I was never somebody that participated in that. And, and anytime I would engage in dialogue with someone who was wearing a mask, I mean, I just had very basic questions for them, right? So if you're wearing a piece of fabric over your face, does that seem at all impenetrable to a microscopic virus or a microscopic bacterium? The immediate answer should be no. The immediate answer should be no. But people felt like they were doing their part. They were doing the right thing. They were led by fear. They thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to protect myself. But let's also just back up for a minute now, because here's what I think we're ultimately going to see from all of this masks. We've seen it in kids, and I just touched on it. We're seeing kids that have speech delays. They can't see somebody's mouth move when they're talking to them. This is an integral part of a baby and a toddler learning linguistics, learning how to speak. They have to watch other people's mouths move and the shapes of their, uh, you know, of their lips and facial expression when they're talking. And that has just been obliterated. So many kids now need speech therapy. So many kids are behind the speech delays, reading delays. All from something that we should have just stopped and said to ourselves, there's no way that this is a preventative measure for a virus. Secondarily, it's certainly not preventative if you're not sick. If I'm not sick, why on earth am I going to put something across my face and inhibit my own breathing? Well, it goes back to another lie of this asymptomatic transmission. I don't remember ever a time in which my doctor, which I really don't, I don't go to the doctor. I used to when I was younger and I, I, I can't tell you the last time I've, I've been to the doctor, but Maybe, maybe you, maybe you should ask this yourself. Have you ever been in a situation where your doctor calls you and says, oh, by the way, you're sick. You just don't know it. You're sick with a virus and you just, you just don't know it. I would render a guess, probably not. Usually by the time we go to the doctor, usually by the time our viral load is high enough, we have signs and symptoms, whether that be body aches, fatigue, a headache, congestion, maybe a sore throat, maybe a cough, maybe some, you know, post-nasal drip or, um, you know, sinus congestion, things of that nature. We aren't just out here walking around perfectly healthy, asymptomatic, worried about what we're giving to other people. That's, that is like such an out of bounds concept. And they blasted us with it. They perpetuated a, 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 a real, real tall tell with that one, a real big one. 
which then forced us all to think, oh my gosh, could I be sick and not know it? Could I get my, could I get my grandma sick? Could I be a grandma killer? Well, I'd better wear this mask because if I'm sick and I don't know it, I don't want to kill anyone. So I'm going to wear this mask. Think about the mental warfare. That is, that's, that's like the definition of psychological warfare is robbing everyone of their independent thinking and their autonomy and their knowledge about their own bodies and how they've dealt with every sickness in the past that they've ever had. I mean, being a grown up, it's like, gosh, if you wake up, if you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling great, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to call in sick to work and say, Hey, I'm sick. I don't want to get anybody sick or your kids are sick. Hey, I'm not sending Billy to school today. He's sick. I'm not going to get the other kids sick. But this idea that you're sick and you don't even know it. So you have to do an intervention because of it. That's something else I would say in conversation with folks is. So is everyone just going to take prophylactic chemotherapy? Because you might have cancer and you don't know it. Are we just going to start giving everybody chemotherapy prophylactically? You feel great, you're fine, you eat a good diet, you're healthy, you exercise, but ooh, you maybe could have a lingering cancer in there. So we should probably start you on chemotherapy. If your doctor called and said that to you, I, I would hope that you would laugh. That is an absurd notion. But yet somehow we fell for this. We fell for this intense barrage of manipulation and gaslighting and guilt tripping and this sort of fear of non-compliance. I think the fear of non-compliance was greater than the fear of the virus, if I have to be honest. I just don't think people are okay with being uncomfortable. And I also don't think that people have a true understanding of just what our government is capable of doing to us. <laughs> Which is sad because our history tells us all of these things. You know, our, our, whether it's written in a book or not, you can find the evidence of what our government has done to its own people over decades. And this is nothing new. This is, this is not a new game. It's a page out of a very, very old playbook that they keep running and they keep recycling. So the COVID lies and the dominoes are starting to fall. And I would hope that as a collective, as a society, we would not be interested in shooting the messenger, that we would not be those people, you know, if you, if you were on my team, I've never said, I told you so, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to welcome you into the, into the fold when, you know, you kind of have that aha moment and you go, oh gosh. I think I I think I've pieced the puzzles, you know, the, the pieces of the puzzle together now. I've connected the dots. Great. Welcome. But if you're maybe on the other other side of things, or you were somebody that kind of um, you know, unfortunately fell victim to the news and to the the constant barrage and manipulation, which version now are you gonna believe? So the mainstream media three years ago ran a story that this came from bat soup, 
And now three years later, they're running a story that it probably came from the Wuhan center of, you know, virology or whatever it's called, which are you going to believe? And more importantly, which one makes more sense to you? And even more importantly, after that, what are you going to question now in the future? It didn't come from bat soup. There's no such thing as asymptomatic spread. Masks don't work. Two weeks to slow the spread didn't work. The vaccines are not safe and effective. They are not free from side effects. They actually don't even prevent you from getting the from getting the virus or transmitting it. So really, what are they for? The efficacy part of that conversation is absolutely null and void. And saying to yourself, well, I, I, it could have been worse. How's that, how's that even the, the, the proper argument? The, the anger should come or the frustration should come in being sold uh, um, a, a bad batch of goods. And as this cascade continues, more and more and more lies are going to be revealed. And for the second half of the show, I'm going to talk about some more lies, some more big lies that we have seen coming out. Um, I mean, again, I think whether it's a direct dotted line to COVID or kind of in this big monster web, I think it's all related because it comes back to our government and it comes back to this global um, agenda. But we'll touch on that when I get back. I'm going to step away for a short little break. I am your host, Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. 
Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. in this big giant web of lies that we are seeing um there's a few other big ones that i just want to talk about because again i think that there's just so much in front of us right now it's almost a little overwhelming to try to process and to you know think back to three years ago about what we were originally told and i know you know, this was a huge traumatic event um, for our world, certainly for our country. And when I had my guest on uh, on a previous show, Joel Rafiti, we were talking about kind of this PTSD that probably exists for a lot of people and maybe even having blocked out certain things because of how traumatic, um, you know, this whole event is and kind of the state of our nation and the state of our world right now. But some of the other big lies that I, you know, think are, it's, it's really interesting kind of what is, um, you know, what's almost being exposed, or if you take a step back and look at it from a big picture place, um, how it just, it doesn't make sense. And again, no matter how many people tell the lie and no matter how many people believe the lie, it's still a lie. It it doesn't carry any factual weight to it. And the other thing I think we've just become so comfortable with is acknowledging somebody's feelings versus the actual factual information. Feelings now take precedence over almost anything in every scenario. And that's just not... Uh, it's it's unsustainable, really. It's unsustainable if all we're doing is catering and pandering versus examining things through a black and white lens of facts, of science, of data. But one one of the one of the big lies that I just think is, I mean, if if we're not laughing, we're crying, right? So I do think it's hysterical, even though it's not actually funny. But this whole notion of the January 6th insurrection, I mean, I watched that obviously like go down. And again, being somebody who uses discernment with what I watch and also knowing kind of where I fall on this, if you want to call it the right left, you know, line, I know where I fall on that. I tend to prefer not to say Republican or Democrat because I think that um, they are both, um, you know, they, 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 they've both got their problems. I tend to use conservative and liberal because I think that a conservative viewpoint, um, more so fits how I live my life. Um, the things that I think are more sustainable as far as, um, you know, societal, um, growth and momentum. So, From a conservative standpoint, as I viewed the events surrounding uh, January 6th, you know, I I already saw some things that were red flags surrounding that. Um, I've been to many 
um, rallies, if you will, freedom rallies, not necessarily, again, associated with a political party, but more so associated with um, our freedoms and what we need to do about that and how we can all band together and work together. And I'll tell you that those are incredibly peaceful situations. Um, there are people dressed typically in red, white, and blue. Um, you don't see, you, you typically, even during, during the height of COVID when I was attending these, you didn't see people wearing masks. Um, I think a lot of us that are for one freedom are for all types of freedoms to a certain extent. And so we did not, you know, participate in, in masking. Um, and so just right away, looking at like some of the initial footage coming out from January 6th, I spotted things that to me were red flags, people in masks. That's a red flag. Now, again, I'm all for your personal choice. And if you chose to wear one, that's great. And if you chose to wear one on January 6th, that's fine. However, typically the people that I was seeing wearing masks were also wearing like black, like black hoodies or, you know, they, they, there was just something off about the physical appearance or, or they had like backpacks on, you know, the, the, the general consensus of the crowd or what you, what you could look at in the crowd was granted again, red, white, and blue American flags, um, even Trump flags, obviously, right? But there, if if you if you're paying attention, you could definitely see things and people in that crowd that did not necessarily match. And then, as you kind of dive in a little bit deeper, like if, if you compare the the folks that maybe stood out a little bit as um, you know maybe not blending in. They looked more so like the folks that were up in Portland during the summer of love of 2020 and perhaps associated with Antifa or a more nefarious organization than the folks out really at the Capitol trying to, um, you know, peacefully protest and have their voices heard and, um, you know, have, have a presence there for America. And then you know, you notice the the things I think then that were done by those particular people, right? Whether that was shaking of the barricades or whether that was breaking, you know, breaking the windows. And the reason I say all of that is because now that Tucker Carlson has dropped this footage from inside the Capitol building, there's a clear delineation between perhaps those people that stood out like a sore thumb to me wearing masks and wearing black and being very aggressive and kind of rebel rousing a little bit. And then the folks from the crowd that were literally there simply to peacefully gather and protest. If you haven't seen this footage, I would highly recommend you go and find the, I think Tucker did two um, shows on it. They're staying within the velvet ropes. They're taking pictures. If something was knocked over, they went over and picked it up and put it back in place. Nobody's lighting things on fire. Nobody's causing harm or damage or vandalism to the Capitol. And in fact, 
what we now can see is that the place was full of Capitol Police. And if it was really that bad, if it was truly this insurrection, if it was as worse or as bad or, or worse than Pearl Harbor, as Kamala Harris said, we wouldn't see Capitol Police just standing around, meandering, mixing and mingling with these people that had come into the Capitol. You would see them in probably physical altercations or, God forbid, a shootout or, you know, at minimum, ushering people out the doors from which they came in, trying to regain some semblance of organization. Um, You know, if the Capitol is closed and if it was breached, they should be doing what they need to do to get those folks out of there. And there's no demonstration of that yet. I, the the funny thing is, is that the decorum in which those people had as they were walking through the Capitol peacefully taking pictures, I mean, it looked like a sightseeing tour for crying out loud. I'm sure that if the Capitol Police turned to those people and said, hey, guys, you know, we really we really got to get out. This is this is not good. Like, we've really got to get you out. I, I I would bet that those people would have looked and said, yeah, you know, you're right. We should probably go. We should probably get going. So this huge fabrication, this massive lie. Now, again, this is not a Republican and a Democrat thing. This is both sides of the aisle have perpetuated this as this horrible event in United States history. Worse than the Civil War, the press secretary said the other day, comparable to the Civil War. This is the definition of gaslighting. Like to watch this and believe it and be so out of touch with your own common sense and ability to apply just rational thinking to the situation is wild to me. And they know that they can do it. Like COVID was almost like a test run, right? I feel like this was how far can we push our citizens? What can we ask of them? Um, How much name calling can we do? How much manipulation can they take before they break? Because the breaking is ultimately what they want. There is a concerted effort for the United States to fail. And when I say fail, I mean, you can look at that from a lot of different aspects, whether that be financially, um, whether that be, you know, our social fabrics. I think we've, we're close to failing spiritually already. And I think it's related to all of these, um, you know, other things. It's a very, very worldly existence right now, um, if you understand what I'm saying there. But COVID tested everyone. And now I am happy that so many people pushed back. I know that that's my community. I meet people almost daily that share kind of my perspectives and said, nope, I didn't participate in this. I'm not going to continue to participate. But now everything that the government, in conjunction with the mainstream media, because they're basically, you know, 
conjoined twins, everything is an attempt to, to break us and to take us out of trusting ourselves that we are, are almost forced to rely upon them to tell us what to do, tell us where to go, tell us what's best for ourselves, tell us what to believe, tell us what, what's the truth. They want that for us so desperately. And they're doing a pretty great job in gathering a significant number of people who choose to live that way, who choose to take something at face value and swallow it up and live by it and not even correct course when presented with an alternate perspective. I mean, the hours of footage that the January 6th committee didn't discuss, didn't watch, didn't release to the public, that's, that's an attempt to sway the opinion. That's, that's a work in progress of making sure that they only show what they want to have shown. It's a narrative. It's a storyline. It's a movie plot. And then if we're shown the other, the other side of it, we all should use our own intuition and our own discernment to then make a judgment about that. And if it goes along with your original thought process, well, okay. If it's, if it's counter to that original thought process or the things that you were originally told, okay. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to deal with that? The other, the other thing that kind of ties in, I think, again, with all of this, because I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that this is all related. It's not just these one-offs. They're not individual um, circumstances. You know, COVID is related to January 6th, is related to the climate crisis, is related to the World Economic Forum, is related to, um, you know, these, these um, uh, disasters that we're seeing, whether it be uh, train crashes or things, everything, everything is connected. Now, the hours and the time in which it would take to probably dive in and, um, you know, find those specifics would, would be a lot. But I think if you just take a step back and look at the overall picture, it makes a lot of sense. You can't just have, you know, uh, these, these groups of global elites come in and just do one thing. Because if that one thing fails and they don't have a backup, well, then their plan's not going to work. So they'll see how one thing goes. Oh, we got a lot of pushback. Let's try this. Ooh, that's not really working either. Let's do this. The other, the other kind of arm of this big giant, you know, global octopus is the climate, the climate crisis, the so-called climate crisis. I remember there's, there's, there's dates and there's footage of like Al Gore who's one of the biggest, you know, champions of, you know, saving the planet and doing all of this, you know, he's failed in his predictions 
multiple times of when the earth's going to be, you know, done and we can't survive because of, well, first they called it global warming. And then I think that that, that, that didn't really work anymore because we weren't, we weren't necessarily getting hotter. So now it has to be climate change, which I think is just a very, very fancy way of acknowledging natural patterns that take place on the earth anyways. It's not like we haven't had climate change before. But Al Gore has been wrong in his predictions. And then you look at you look at all of these people who are the biggest voices for climate change and the things that we need to do and the interventions that need to be done. John Kerry is a great example. You know, all of these all of these goofballs fly around on private jets. And yet they're going to talk to to me, the little person, about my my car, about my gas stove. Everything they do is a lie. And I also think it's a lie because it's they don't even take their own advice. They aren't even good enough at pretending and living in the lie that they do it themselves. If John Kerry really thinks that the that the climate crisis is of utmost importance and that it's everyone's duty he would be flying commercial uh, with the rest of us standing in line for for group B on southwest if they really believed that masks worked we wouldn't see pictures of all of these politicians not wearing their masks in a public setting or taking them off the you know the minute that that the camera goes on or being in a in a crowded room full of school children and all the kids are wearing their masks and the adults aren't they don't even believe the lies themselves that they're trying to sell to us And the craziest part is that so many people just brush that off. Like we make excuses for these people. We give them hall pass after hall pass. Well, you know, they probably, they they got tested for COVID. They didn't need to wear their mask. Like what? What? Like, I don't know if you can ever make an excuse for somebody flying in a private jet who is shouting at everybody about climate change. I don't know that there's anything justifiable that you could say about that. And you also have, you have people like the Obamas who are buying and building oceanfront properties. Does that make sense? You're worried that the sea levels are rising and you're going to buy a multi-million dollar mansion by the beach, by the ocean? By the sea that's rising so rapidly, what, what are you going to get out of that beach house? Two, three, four years? It's not going to matter to you. It's worth it. It's worth spending multi millions of dollars on a beach house right next to a sea that's rising. No, everything is a lie from both sides. I think it's from both sides because I think they both have a a vested interest in whether it be personal gain 
or their own special interests. Everything is a lie. There's beauty in like recognizing that and just not believing anything. And I don't think that that puts me into a category of like the ultimate like skeptic or like a doomer, but I just like, I, I have, I have zero trust. I have zero faith. I have, um, you know, it's, it's hard also when you don't see, um, when you want to see things going differently and then maybe they're not. And so you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. I'm just going to keep not believing anything that they say until, until I see something. I've shifted my mindset to like, um, guilty until proven innocent these days. (laughs) Maybe that is a pessimistic way to live, but I think it actually helps me be more optimistic. It helps me to use a lot more caution in my approach. It helps me to um, question things more. It helps me to use more discernment to be like, well, you know, you're going to have to prove that to me. You're going to have to demonstrate to me. It, It allows me to not take anything at face value, I guess, is what that does. And that's not really a bad way to live. It's not that I'm just so, uh, well, maybe. I guess, depending on the entity, really untrusting, really untrusting. And I think the other reason is, is that individual humans have not yet demonstrated enough fortitude, I guess, on like a mass scale, or they haven't demonstrated that they're willing to be a part of the solution for me to not think that they're part of the problem. Does that make sense? You know, if you're not, if if you're, if you're saying, you know, behind closed doors, oh yeah, I don't think masks work. I think it was stupid. But yet you go to work or you go to the grocery store and you, you slap a mask on. Well, you're still part of the problem. You're not willing to be uncomfortable enough to be part of the solution. And I think there's very, very few people in government or in the public eye that are willing to be uncomfortable to be a part of the solution. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there are some, and I'm still kind of waiting to see, you know, how all of that plays out amongst the, you know, web of corruption that exists, Um, especially when it comes to like our quote unquote elected um, officials But I think it's just they're so used to living in the lie and they're so used to lying that that's all they know. That's comfortable. Lying is certainly more comfortable than the truth. Even if it backfires, even if they get caught in a lie, they're going to have some excuse. They'll have a backstory. They'll have another lie to stack on top of the original lie. Until you're so confused, until your mind is so scrambled, until you have questioned yourself and your own abilities so much that you shrug your shoulders and you just, you know, either believe everything that they're saying or you go in the opposite direction like me and you believe nothing. The news, the politicians, 
it's just, it's a lie. The dominoes are falling. I do think that. I think that slowly but surely, the veil is being lifted. And I think the exposure of these lies and the exposure of the people telling the lies and the groups of people telling the lies is being exposed. And what we'll have to wait and see is the reasoning behind that, the why. That might be a real, real challenge for all of us is to understand the why. Because again, as I mentioned on a past show, I'm not a sociopath. I don't know what it's like to be in the shoes of a sociopath, which I think a lot of these people are sociopaths. So the why, I, I can't, I mean, I can't even, I can't even speculate. It's too big. It's too wild. It's too crazy. But there has to be a why. The why has to exist for any plan to be thought of, established, put into motion. It's got to have an end result. And the end result is the why. As we kind of move forward here, three years out of COVID, a couple years out of the January 6th debacle, a lot of years in this conversation of global warming slash climate change, how are we going to trust, how are we going to trust what we hear? How are we going to move forward? Are we going to fall victim to the next sort of set of lies? It's probably the big takeaway from today that I would kind of like my call to action would be think about the next set of lies that are coming because they are coming. They have to. How are you going to respond? What are you going to do? What are you going to do differently? Now, knowing what we know about the first set of lies, the second set of lies, the third set of lies. What are we all going to do differently? How can we kind of band together and understand that it's not an us against us, but it's really sort of an us against them? And when I say against, right, like that, that should be taken with we, we are the people of this country. The, these elected officials are quote unquote elected. They are public servants. They work for us. There should never be a time when we walk into a school board meeting or a Senate hearing in which there is public floor where every single person is not allowed to speak, where any topic is off limits. We run the show. And how are we going to be prepared for the next time that they think they run the show. We have to act differently. We have to change our mindsets. We have to tap into our own internal power, our intuition, and we have to use so much discernment with what we're being told that we really question, question every single thing, motives, rationale, every piece of information. And hopefully you can just apply your own kind of kind of lens or um, have the ability to reshape your thinking and be like, ooh, I did believe that in the beginning. I did. But now I've been presented with some information to the contrary and that that actually makes sense. The new information makes more sense. How am I going to adjust? 
and maybe heading into the next set of lies. Maybe just know, know they're coming. So when something sounds like a fear tactic or manipulation or a a subject matter that's going to cause division or a subject matter where, you know, frivolous, frivolous names are involved. You know, we we're, we're name calling large groups of people. Those those are, those are your telltale signs that it's probably a fabrication. Potentially made up, potentially twisted from an original truth. But it's certainly not the whole truth. My hope is that the whole truth comes out, that we are unified in that truth as a society, as a collective, as a, as a world, and that we fully understand our powers and our capabilities, you know, that we, that we have, and that we truly do have the ability to kind of pump the brakes on what's happening and correct course and not fall victim to this constant, endless streaming barrage of lies and fabrications coming from people who say that they have our best interests in mind. So with that, that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our parts to share these stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and this is